Great job, fellas. I appreciate that. I thought the I think the uh, the Brown Swagger Boys need to uh, make an appearance again here. We got the Brown Swagger and the Brown Boys. I, we'll come up with an official nickname for them as long as they'll sing again for us. Don't worry, you guys can weigh in on what y'all's nickname is. I don't know, but uh, I thought that was great. Appreciate it. It's good to be here. Appreciate Pastor John giving me the opportunity to preach. I'm glad they're getting to be in church tonight, just uh, getting to get away for a little bit and get some, some extra uh, messages and some pretty, good, uh, some pretty good doctrine out there, I think, on a worldview and some different things out there at the Ark. I'm excited for them. A little jealous. I'm aware of a couple of the speakers they're going to hear, and uh, I wouldn't mind hearing them myself. But uh, I've had the privilege to hear Ken Ham preach, I think, twice in person in my life. And apparently Pastor John never has heard him in person, so I guess we can call it even. It'll be good. By the way, if you have no idea who I'm talking about, Google Ken Ham later. Listen to several hours of good teaching, and uh, you'll be better off for it. He does a great job. But uh, excited to be here, excited to bring God's Word. We'll be in Luke 19 in just a bit. No presentation up on screen, so going low-tech tonight. Uh, hopefully it's a welcoming message, so we got the welcome screen there. But uh, Luke 19, familiar story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man, and we'll get to that in just a few minutes. Uh, if you have a chance, I hope you'll stick around and either play a little volleyball or laugh at those of us who try to play and fail. So uh, Pastor John mentioned that option this morning. I leaned over to Joel up there and said, I think I want to do that. But I'll still get out there and play. Feel free to laugh at me. I, I try really hard. I, I do. But uh, we'll have a good time just spending some time together. It's really like I mentioned to the teens in Sunday school this morning. Uh, we want to be there for each other. And I know there's a bunch of different ways to do that. But one of the ways to be there for each other is to be there for each other. Now, if you can't stay for volleyball, I'm not trying to lay some guilt trip on you. Don't worry. But at the same time, let's build those relationships even during good times. You all should have, every one of you, I hope, has several people you can call when you need someone to talk to. I hope Pastor John, Miss Melissa, absolutely are one of, are a couple of those people. You know, me and my wife, of course, but I hope even other relationships as well. There's some pretty great people in this church. If you haven't met all of them, you need to. So hopefully some of that will happen as well. But uh, as we dig into the message in Luke 19, we'll be reading the first 10 verses in just a bit. But bring in a message titled, Don't Be a Caveman. Now, you can put in there, don't be a cave woman as well. That's fine. Now, I'm going somewhere with that. And before you leave or boo me off stage, please understand, I'm not trying to tell you to not be a Neanderthal. But I will say, the more science uncovers about those jokers, I feel bad for them. All of their symptoms that made them seem less evolved, you put all of those symptoms, the long, sloping forehead and all of that on one screen, open up another tab on your email or on your Google or whatever, and Google rickets. And it matches perfectly. Those guys weren't less evolved. They had rickets. I feel bad for them. I can even tell you the scientific reason why they had rickets. I won't go into that. But do you know they found spearheads that were attached to spear shafts by the Neanderthals? This has basically nothing to do with the message. It's just cool. And they have not been able to figure out, using only the equipment they had available a couple thousand years ago, how to make it. Modern scientists cannot remake the superglue type stuff that they made to attach their spearheads to their spear shafts without using modern like electronic equipment. We're not as smart as they were. So you hear, oh, these half ape, half men. No, 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 no. I think they were probably smarter than we were, actually. I feel bad for them. They had a disease. But uh, definitely not calling you a caveman in that setting, uh, even though, again, they were probably very smart. I will uh, often admit that if I were out in the middle of nowhere stranded, and there was a nice, clean, dry cave, no snakes, no bears. That's where I'm going to go. So I don't blame them for living in caves. But what we're looking at tonight 
is this idea. Don't be a C-A-V-E man. Don't be what I've heard called a citizen against virtually everything. Don't be a caveman or a cavewoman in the sense of not being a citizen against virtually everything. Let me just ask you. I've asked myself this already, and I don't always like my answers. What's more natural for you, criticizing or praying? Criticizing or encouraging? Seeing where people are or seeing where people can get? All too often, I'll just be honest, I'm perfectly comfortable with anyone or anything that doesn't get in my way, that won't inconvenience me, but I'm so thankful Jesus had a different vision. And I'm also so thankful that a man named Zacchaeus was willing to do what it took to come to see Jesus, even though just about everybody was around, around him was a caveman, a citizen against virtually everything about that guy. Not who he became, not who he could become, but where he was. Yeah. And there are a lot of people... Let's be honest, there's one right up here on this platform that is not where we need to be. But with Jesus, we can get there. Let's be for people getting where Jesus can take them instead of constantly being against people. Like it's so tempting for me to be so often, I'll just be honest. Let's jump in Luke 19 for context. We'll read the first 10 verses, and then I'm looking forward to preaching through them. Verse 1, it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. Short man, I've heard from archaeology in that region, you know, figuring out doorways at that time period, that he was probably, average height was probably about five feet tall. This might have been a wee little guy. I'm not sure. You can, you can weigh in. Please don't sing that song in your whole head and throughout the entire message. Um, just sing it once through in your head or in your seat, and we'll, we'll move on. But he was probably a fairly short guy. Verse 4, and he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. By the way, he's making an excuse to come to Jesus. How tempting is it for us to make excuses why we don't have to? Just saying. Uh, For he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. The so-called religious people there were often the ones finding fault with everyone and everything and pulling people away from Jesus instead of pushing people to come toward Jesus. Matthew 23, 13, another passage. Jesus says this, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. I hope we're on our way to heaven, but I hope we're making it easier for people to come to Jesus, not harder. Compare that to Jesus' attitude Uh, really shown, described in 1 John 2, verse 1. It says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. We don't sin. Bible, Jesus never compromises on sin. But notice the end. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We don't see Jesus trying to kick us when we're down. We don't see him saying, it's okay, just keep sinning. We see him helping us up toward doing what's right, toward coming to him for salvation, and then as Christians toward coming to him 
for daily help and for doing what's right. So how about you? Do you need to come to Jesus tonight? <laughs> Looking at the example of Zacchaeus, I can't think of a better example of coming to Jesus than Zacchaeus. And he can lead the way as he describes, as we look at the passage, it describes how he came to Jesus. So if you need to come to Jesus for salvation, I hope you will. And then who can you help to come to Jesus this week? Let's pray, and we'll dig through this passage. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us. We do pray for our pastor and his family as they're traveling. I pray, uh, just uh, as they believe they're in a church service right now, that that'll be enjoyable. And then as they travel more tomorrow, uh, gone for several days hearing lots of good teaching uh, on biblical worldview and different things, I pray that you'll use it in each, attender's, each of those who attends lives. Use it specifically in their lives. I pray that it'll be just a restful time stepping back from the normal routine and just uh, that you'll use it. I pray that you'll use this time in our lives tonight. I pray that anyone here, anyone watching now on live stream or later will realize that they need you as Savior if they've never come to you like Zacchaeus did. And that each of us will help people to see you, to come to you, to make it easier, not harder. We thank you. I pray that you'll encourage each of us and challenge us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. First of all, how do you see yourself? Luke 19, verse 1, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and pretty much everything but his name is an obstacle on why it was hard for him to come to Jesus. We'll talk through him here. Which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich, and he sought to see Jesus who he was, and he could not for the press because he was little of stature. Sometimes the person who's against us the most is actually ourselves. Sometimes we get in our own way and stop ourselves from coming to Jesus. And I hope you'll realize Jesus loves you enough. You might be saying, well, there's this, or there's that, or there's this, or there's that. Your list is probably a lot different from Zacchaeus's. But Jesus was more powerful than all of those obstacles, and he's more powerful than any obstacles between you and him right now. For salvation, for forgiveness of that sin that you've been struggling with for a while, for help, for that addiction or that issue, he's big enough. Come to him. Zacchaeus had a lot of things that could have kept him away from coming to Jesus. He was the chief of the publicans. You may know it, but that was basically chief of the tax collectors. And as much as we might resent the IRS now, they're not criminals, no matter how much you might think so at tax time. I don't know. But these guys, their job was basically to rob. They were going to basically rob on behalf of the Roman Empire and then rob extra to line their own pockets. He was the chief. He was the robber of robbers. He, he was the head of it. You could definitely say he was hated. Citizens against virtually everything. I think they just had citizens against Zacchaeus. I mean, this was not a popular guy. One preacher I heard preach through this passage recently said that he might have been running yeah, probably to meet Jesus, but he might have also been running so he didn't get kicked on the way by from some of these people who knew him and didn't want him there. I don't know that that's actually correct, but you could imagine it maybe. He was rich. Can be a good thing, but it can make it easy to trust self and not Jesus. Probably hated. He was short. But aren't we all? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. On our own, we all fall short. We need Jesus or we will always fall short of heaven. We need Jesus as Christians or we'll always fall short of having enough for tomorrow, for next week, for our family, for our friends, for the callings that God has for us. But we don't come to Jesus because we're good enough. We come to Jesus because we desperately need Jesus. That's what Zacchaeus saw and what an example. If 
But I love that Jesus sees not just who we are, but who we can become through him. You know, the end of the story, we even read it just a bit ago. But Zacchaeus doesn't stay where he was at. Another example of that is in John 8. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but just 10, verses 10 and 11. Jesus has brought to him a woman caught in the act of adultery, caught red-handed, so to speak. When Jesus had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Jesus wasn't about kicking this woman while she was down. Jesus was about helping this woman up to go do right, up to come to him for salvation. And that's how he looks at us as well. Nothing and no one can stop you from coming to Jesus for salvation except yourself. Satan will try. Other influences will try. But they're no match for Jesus. But Jesus won't make you come to him. Maybe you've heard message after message right here from Pastor John and others. Maybe you attended or even watched online every revival message where the gospel was presented each night. And you know you need to come to Jesus. But you're like, I can't because of this or this or this. Those things can't stop you. Don't let yourself stop you. But the fact of the matter is nothing and no one can stop you from serving Jesus to the fullest except yourself. <laughs> Zacchaeus, I don't think he would have been most likely to succeed, voted most likely to succeed back then by the local synagogue. I don't think people at the temple would have been like, oh man, if only Zacchaeus would come to Jesus, he'll do great things. But he's exactly the one we see starting to do great things after he gets saved right in this passage. And I can only imagine what he did through the rest of his life. So if you know you're not doing everything for Jesus that you should be doing, start by looking in the mirror, not at the devil. Not your family, not your friends, not your circumstances or abilities. Look in the mirror and then come to Jesus for help, hope, and the solution you need. How do you see yourself? You are not beyond the reach of Jesus. He wants to forgive you no matter what, you're do what you've done. And if you're a Christian, Jesus wants a restored, strong relationship with you no matter how far you've gone away from him. And if you're the Christian that, you know, things are pretty close between you and Jesus, but you know you haven't kind of almost activated that faith to the level you know you should. You haven't gotten busy for Jesus the way you know you should. Come to him. Look to Jesus. He's really good at helping you up from wherever you are to wherever he wants you to get. He's really good at seeing everything you can be with his help. Next, <laughs> sounds funny, be a tree, not an obstacle. So don't be a caveman, be a tree. There you go. You can remember the message from those two weird titles there. But be a tree, not an obstacle. You can probably see where I'm going with that. But Luke 19, verse 3. And he, Zacchaeus, sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, the big crowd, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. <laughs> the tree helped him. Every person hindered him. As far as we can tell. No one said, hey, Zacchaeus, I don't really like you, man, but you need to meet this guy. You need to come to Jesus. Take my spot. Come up here. I don't know, maybe. Come on my shoulders. He, he was probably too grown up to get a piggyback ride. Maybe that wouldn't work. But here, stand on this. Do this. Hey, there's a tree. Let me help you climb. No, as far as we know, every person did nothing to help him. Nobody did anything to help him but the tree. So be more like the tree helping to people to see Jesus, not an obstacle, by the way. We should even help those who've wronged us. They didn't like Zacchaeus. Many of them maybe hated him. Many of them might have been facing financial ruin, financial struggles. 
because of Zacchaeus' thievery. The solution wasn't for him to start being a good person. The solution was for him to come to Jesus. And they should have been willing, even then, to help him. So who's too far gone, in your opinion? Who's too far gone according to your actions and attitude toward them? Or your lack of actions or attitude? Who would you be unwilling to invite to church? Who, maybe you won't admit it in a setting like this, but you don't really deep down want them to get saved. Or you'd want them to, but you're convinced they can't. That was Zacchaeus, and he ends this story saved and living for the Lord. And so often, it's the ones who seem too far gone that finally hit rock bottom and come to the fact that they need to see Jesus. Sometimes it's just the fact that somebody cares about them enough to finally tell them about Jesus, or they realize just how amazing Jesus is and how much he loves them despite all of their sin, and they come to him. Do people have to climb over and look around you in order to see Jesus, or are you helping them get to him? Do your coworkers have to kind of look around you to see Jesus? Or can they see you every day shining, see Jesus every day shining through you? Can they see Jesus shining through me? That's how it should be. We see people in the way of Zacchaeus. Another passage in the New Testament, you probably know the story. Jesus is in a house, he's, he's sharing, he's teaching, and there's a guy, sick of a palsy, four friends, know he needs to get to Jesus. Those guys weren't going to be stopped. I mean, you, again, you probably know the story, but they're carrying him. They can't get in the front door. I don't even know if there was a back door. They're like, okay, the roof. I don't know that I would have thought of that. And, and theirs were a little more easy to separate and all, but they, I mean, they're tearing open the roof, lowering him down, doing whatever it took to get to Jesus. What can you do to help someone see Jesus this week? It wasn't their job to save that man. They couldn't heal him physically or spiritually, but they knew Jesus could. Let's be willing to do whatever we can to help people see Jesus. But how easy is it for us to stand on the sidelines passively? That's not the same thing as helping people see Jesus. No one invited Zacchaeus to join them as they met Jesus, as they saw Jesus. As silly as it is, let's be willing to be a tree, not an obstacle. And next, do we act like we want the lost to get saved? Or are we just content if the lost... Just act religious. These people didn't like Zacchaeus. I don't know that very many people there had a problem with the Pharisees, though. And the Pharisees were on their way to hell just as much as Zacchaeus. How many people in our lives that look nice and neat and clean are we comfortable with? Only God knows the heart, but we're pretty sure they don't accept, they've never accepted Christ. Or maybe we've asked them and they've told us that they've never accepted Christ. But we're not too worried about inviting them to church. We're not too worried about witnessing to them. We're not too worried about being a light to them because they're religious enough. They're not in our way. It's not a problem. They don't seem messy. Luke 19, verse 5, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, Zacchaeus, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, hurry up and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. I love that word, must. Amen. I have a mission. I have a need. You need the Savior. You need me, Zacchaeus. I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. We'll talk about it more. But do you see how Zacchaeus, he made haste, received him joyfully. He hustled. The guy that was never going to get saved, the least religious, the least likely, the criminal, the thief, the awful, hated guy. He's hurrying to spend time with Jesus. Verse 7, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, 
that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Yeah. Poor Jesus would have starved to death if he had to get food from non-sinners. Everyone there was a sinner. Jesus, I mean, he could, I mean, bread from heaven, I mean, you know, he can do whatever he needs to. Obviously, he's God. But if he could never share a meal with a sinner, he never would have shared a meal with anyone. And sinner after sinner, lost in their sins, rejected the Savior and even mocked him for saying, he's going to eat with a sinner. And how easy is it for us to say, sinner? I'm pointing at the clock right now. I'm not pointing at anybody, I promise. But (laughs) sinner, out there, out there, out there, wherever. Instead of saying, sinner. You might be like, well, I'm saved. I'm redeemed. My sins are forgiven. Awesome. You're still a sinner, and so am I. I was actually just happened to be on two friends of mine's Facebook. I don't check their Facebook often, but happened to see something scrolling through both of them. Husband and wife live a little ways from here. They describe them both as sinners serving Jesus. I think one of them put sinner saved by grace serving Jesus, you know, that kind of thing. The other one obviously is saved. He's a youth pastor, actually. But uh, he just said a sinner serving Jesus because he realizes that's still who he is. But these ones, they didn't like that Jesus just didn't want to look the part. What Jesus was doing was actually caring about Zacchaeus' eternal destiny. Do we? Or are we comfortable? Would we have been part of the crowd? And everyone that looked nice and neat... Not a known criminal, not a known thief, not a known servant of the Roman Empire. They're fine. No, Zacchaeus needed Jesus. The people we often are tempted to push away are the very ones who would come to Jesus if we'd get out of their way. Don't judge a book by its cover. And by the way, don't judge a book based on where it is now. Jesus loves to rewrite the book of our heart. He loves I don't know if that analogy works or not. That just came to me. That might not work. But you get the idea. Jesus loves to rewrite us from where we were to who we can become in him. Uh, This conviction of of judging based on appearance, it always comes back to me. Kind of a funny story, but it's poignant for me. Big in my life. I I went uh, years ago. I was living in Pennsylvania. I think my brother and I were living in a townhouse at this point. And he's like, hey, I know this this guy that's speaking at another church. And uh, he's a really good speaker. We should go hear him at at this other church that neither of us had ever been to. It was in the area, and uh, so, oh, sure, yes, we hopped in the car, Sunday night service, I think, and uh, we went, and I, I'm sitting there, I don't know anybody, sitting next to my brother, we're both adults, sitting next to my brother, and in walk these two guys, I mean, biker guys, arms as big around as my waist, mm-hmm. guys, if you meet them in a dark alley, you better hope they're on your side, yeah. I, I think tattoos, that's in my memory anyway, but I'm like, man, those are two rough looking characters, man. What are they, um, seriously, it was almost on the, what are they doing at church? And they weren't doing a thing wrong. They just looked a little different dressed than the way I was. And I didn't know them. I didn't have the opportunity to say anything to them. Thankfully, my thoughts stayed in my head. But one was the pastor of the church, and the other was the guest speaker I was there to hear. Both did a phenomenal job. The pastor led the service, led a salvation call at the end. And the, the, the guest speaker that spoke is a professor at Liberty, I believe. But uh, he, he did a phenomenal job explaining through some things about God's word. And I enjoyed both to the point where I remember it both for the content as well as the ridiculous thoughts in my head. And again, they, they might have had a short sleeve shirt, no suit jacket, and a biker vest on. Just yeah. wicked heathens, right? I mean, no, nothing wrong with it in the world. But that was a time where I very much in my own mind judged a book by its cover. By the way, if you're a biker, I got nothing against that. I think I've matured since then, I hope. But at the same time, I was you know, very much like those guys. Wow. Or maybe I thought something along the lines of, I'm glad they're in church. 
They better come to Jesus. And they were probably both doing more for the Lord than I've done since then. I, I don't know. It's amazing how quick we can be to say, wow, they could get saved. Or if they got saved, Jesus could really use them. No, Jesus can use anyone. It's all about Jesus. It's not about us. And wow, when we decide almost maybe not who can get saved and who can't, we know anybody can get saved. All, you know, everyone who calls on Jesus is saved. But at the same time, we'll be like, that person's really likely to, and that person's really not likely to. Or that Christian in the church, they're really likely to do something awesome for Jesus, and they're not. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Let's be willing to help them see the Lord so he can do with their heart what he wants to do. By the way, those religious people, they, I mean, you don't eat with sinners and a million other man-made rules that they had. Jesus had one criteria. One thing in a person's life that he was interested in, if they met this one rule, he wanted to spend time with them and invest in their lives. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If they met that one, he wanted to spend time with them. If they were on their way to hell, he wanted them to know how they could be on their way to heaven and have a forever relationship with him. Zacchaeus received Jesus joyfully while the religious good people constantly rejected Jesus. So do we like religious people better than the more obviously unsaved? Who are we helping to see Jesus? Who are we hoping will come to Jesus? Because seriously, it might be the seemingly godless, most godless person in your office that'll get saved before that nice, neat, clean, sweet, hardworking, honest, lost person that you work with. Witness to both of them. I hope both of them will come to church next week. And by the way, if they're a little rough looking, you put them with me. I'll sit with them. I'll look forward to it. If they're really mean, you back me up. But uh, no, we would hope they would come to Jesus. Absolutely, we want them to see Jesus, no matter who they are. I remember, this was 15, 20 years ago. I I should have done the math. I think I did, and I forgot. But uh, goodness, it was, I think, after my sophomore or junior year of of college. And that's already getting long ago. I don't know, 2005, 18 years ago. Um, I had the privilege of going um, with my brother and several from the church that we were at in Pennsylvania on a missions trip to downtown New York City. Manhattan, but not Times Square. I've been to both. We'd been there for a little while, just tell this and get on with the illustration, but we'd been there for, I don't know, a night or a day or two, you know, knowing it's a rough part of town, knowing you don't open the doors no matter how hard someone knocks at night, you're staying in the church there, no matter what, don't open them. And then they told us, yeah, it's not anymore, but recently this was like the drug capital of New York City, this this neighborhood, this block. It's not quite as bad now. Like, oh, okay. We didn't open the doors for anybody. Uh, we, we, during the daytime, we did all we could to spread the gospel. Absolutely. Great trip. But I remember meeting one guy. He was a musician at the church and helped out with a, a homeless ministry, sharing the gospel. Great guy. But he was sharing his testimony with us one evening. And he was saying, I mean, he was, he was that bum on Skid Row, honestly, by his own admission. He was everything you'd think of with that druggy stereotype. Just a mess. Life ruined by drugs. And at one point... Now, we know how we would describe it. At one point, he's like, I need to, I need to go to church. We would say, hey, the Holy Spirit's drawing this guy. Yeah. You could just tell. But he didn't know that terminology. At that point, he wasn't saved. And his words, I'll never forget them. Where could I go smelling like urine? Again, guy's not living a nice lifestyle. Guy isn't a nice Christian. He's not a nice religious person. He's a smelly lost person. At that point, he's nice and neat and clean and serving actively on fire for God when I met him. 
Thankfully, he didn't give up like so many will. I guarantee you there's people right here in Rockbridge and Augusta counties that would come to church, but they don't think they look the part. They don't think they smell the part. Again, invite them. So have them sit with me. If I'm up there, have them sit right next to me. They can run the live stream with me. It's all good. We want them to hear. I hope they'll come. But this guy, where could I go smelling like urine? But he didn't give up. I believe he turned on the TV. Watched, I don't remember who he watched on TV, but they were preaching God's word. They were preaching the gospel. This guy got saved. saved. And you could honestly say the rest is history. I've lost touch with him since then. But he was absolutely serving the Lord, highly effective for the Lord, because Jesus saw not just where he was, but who he could become. So many of us, so many times me, you've already heard me admit that. I'd be like, oh, that guy's too far gone. He's a mess. Oh, yeah, just keeps going to those drugs. And I wouldn't care about the solution, just the criticism. I'd be a citizen against virtually everything in that guy's life, absolutely. But I want people to know that they don't have to clean up to come to church. Let's show them Jesus. Let them see Jesus. He'll make them new. Amen. And so often, again, our area, we don't have, you know, a bunch of smelly people, you know, on drugs and alcohol and all of that stumbling off the street. It's not really our area. But spiritually, the equivalent of that, it's everywhere. I hope they'll come. I hope they'll watch the live stream. I hope they'll have a Marlbrook person interact with them. Maybe it'll be me, maybe you, this week. And that will see them for what they can be in Christ, not just where they're at right now. Let's do our part to help the lost see Jesus, to come to him for salvation and change instead of being perfectly comfortable as long as everyone around us just acts good and spiritual. We have a very spiritual area, and I'm so thankful for it. But so much of it is conservative, spiritual, and lost. I'm not saying this room. You, You know your heart. But Rockbridge and Augusta County, as much as I love it, favorite place I've ever lived, absolutely, hands down. Godliest place I've ever lived, I would absolutely say. Sorry if I just insulted some of the other places I've lived, I don't know. But I would absolutely stand by that. But the need is still there. Yeah. It just looks more conservative around here. It looks more neat and clean. But that doesn't mean the need is any less. Next, Jesus gave Zacchaeus an invitation to repent instead of a shove down, a hopeless condemnation for doing wrong. Luke 19, 5, we read it. Let's read it one more time. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, saw Zacchaeus, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Notice verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house for for so much as he also is the son of Abraham. We see in those last couple verses, Zacchaeus showing an outward sign of the inward change that had already taken place. Those works would not and could not earn Zacchaeus' salvation, but they were an evidence of the inward change that had already taken place. And it never would have happened if Jesus treated Zacchaeus like the religious people did. Or if Jesus treated Zacchaeus the way we're often tempted to treat criminals, thieves, sinners, people who have wronged us, people who act unsaved because they are unsaved. It's so, and I'm with you, if that's you. I can't stand when lost people act lost. It's frustrating. Why would you do that? Because they're lost. Their need isn't to stop swearing or stop doing this or stop doing that. Their need is to come to Jesus. Amen. They repent of this. Of course, but Jesus will make them new. But so often, I want them to stop the outward behavior. That's my desire, so they won't be in my way, and I can feel more comfortable around them. 
Or I can have my kids around them or whatever. But they need Jesus. Let's help them see Jesus. Jesus gave Zacchaeus an invitation to repent and get right instead of a shove down like we so often do. At least I do. Hopefully it's not you. Last, let's look at this. Let's seek out those who need Jesus. Let's also seek out Christians who need to come back to Jesus instead of being against them. Sometimes there's nobody in the world like fellow Christians to be against other Christians who aren't acting quite as Christian as the other Christians. But I think I would have to say who aren't acting like it publicly. Because we might be ashamed of what, you know, what we see in someone else's life here at church, or maybe they're not at church because of this or that. But what if they came into our homes? It might be a little different, right? What if they could view our screens, view our thoughts? I often love telling teens, what if God could hit, or what if I could hit a print button on your thoughts, everything you've thought for the last week? It's fun watching their reactions. I think they're really glad that that technology does not exist. Oh, God knows our hearts. Let's seek out those who need Jesus. Let's start that by every day seeking Jesus for ourselves. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. There's a song probably from 15 or 20 years ago titled Love Them Like Jesus. Great song. I haven't heard it in a while. But the song's author, I've heard an interview that he did. The song's author talks about a girl in his church that no one wanted to even speak to because she was a sinner. I think she got pregnant in high school. It was her specific sin. But she's trying to come back to church. I believe she was a Christian at the time. You know, even before all of that, she made a mistake, made a bad choice, made a sin, committed a sin. But she's trying to come back to church, trying to come back to Jesus. And I think he said you could just see, almost see this bubble around her of, of personal space that was 10 feet wide. Nobody wanted to talk to her. Nobody wanted to associate with that sinner. She was just trying to come back. But tragic, tragically, she had a lot of Christians that she had to climb over in order to get to Jesus. Let's be helpers, not hindrances. Amen. I'm not saying, say, oh, you've sinned. That's okay. No, 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 it's not. It's what nailed Jesus to the cross. So did your sin and my sin. We're not glossing over sin. We're not downplaying the sinfulness of sin. I think we'd all be better Christians living for God if we get a fresh view of how sinful sin is. Absolutely. But at the same time, that's for us. That's for looking inward. Looking outward. Okay, you've sinned. You've got to meet Jesus. You've never gotten saved. You've got to meet Jesus. You're you're a Christian. You've gotten a little off track. You've got to come back to Jesus. Let me help you. Come to church. Sit with me. You, You look like a sinner. I don't know if I look like one outwardly, but boy, I, I'm still struggling with some stuff in my heart. Hey, sit with me. Come with me. Hang out with me. Let's talk. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let's love them like Jesus loved them. Let's love everyone in our lives like Jesus loves them. He never once okays their sin, but he also loves to offer them hope and redemption, change and a future. Let's help ourselves and everyone around us to see Jesus today. And the best advertisement, the best tool we often have to offer is our own lives, our own testimony, our own opportunity to let Jesus shine through us. Instead of being a caveman this week, let's help everyone we can see Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving Zacchaeus. He was no more or no less deserving of your love than me. His sin was kind of public, on public display, and I think people hated him for it. He was even short, couldn't see you. Thank you for his willingness to keep climbing. I pray for anyone in here 
anyone watching online, anyone in our lives that is, is being drawn to you, that they'll come to you no matter how difficult it is. But I pray that we'll help people to come to see you. I pray that we'll see ourselves for who you can make us, and we'll see other people for how you can change them and how you can make them new, ultimately through salvation. And then in our own lives, as we drift away from you, as we run away from you, as we jump into sin sometimes, may we be quick to come back to you and back to you and back to you. May we love the people in our lives the way you do, the way you have loved us. God, it's hard. It's difficult. Often seems hopeless that that one person or those people at work or in our lives or in our family would ever come to you. We're not strong enough. We're not spiritual enough. We're not good enough. We don't have right enough words to say, but we have a right enough gospel to share and an amazing enough Savior. And I pray for it to be impactful. Pray for the lost to get saved, for us to help them come to Jesus, be a help, not a hindrance. And I pray that we'll help fellow Christians. We'll be a church and be light in this community that just helps each other back up, helps each other get right with you when we fall. That we'll be there not to condemn each other, but to help each other when we fall, to help each other back up. May we be quick to do that. May we not be content with looking nice and neat and clean on the outside, but may we, may we allow you to make us new and to make us right on the inside every single day. Thank you for your salvation that does that once and for all, but we need cleaned up every day, and I pray that we won't just try to look the part, but that we'll be right with you inside and out. It's not easy. We pray for your help. Thank you for this service. Thank you for time and your word. Pray for your blessing on the week ahead. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you're able to stay for a little volleyball.